1: D.C. with another one of our Didn't I just feed you unsize episodes. In these episodes, Megan or I or the two of us, or the two of us with a guest, take 10 to 15 minutes to dig into a topic. We jump in and we jump right out and of course we continue the conversation in our private listeners group on Facebook. So you definitely want to join us there. We'll have about one a month and today's is how do you deal with going dairy free? All right, guys, I'm here alone today because I have a lot to say. I'm going to try really hard to keep this to a tight 15 minutes as promised. This has been t- requested over and over and over because I know a lot of you guys are either going dairy-free for yourself or for your kids, or your kid is just having stomach problems and you don't know what to do, and dairy, going dairy-free seems to be the first You know, line of defense. And that's exactly what happened in our case. So, very quickly, if you're just tuning in for the first time and you haven't heard the story, the abridged version is that my older son Isaac, who is 13 now, Started complaining incessantly of having stomach problems. And at the time, this was about three years ago, three and a half years ago, he had had strep throat like a whole bunch of times in a row. And so he had a whole bunch of antibiotics. I would give him probiotics, but you know, I wasn't like super crazy about it. Um, I think even the first time I gave it to him during the antibiotics, which note to self, guys. No antibiotics and probiotics at the same time. The antibiotics kill all those good bugs in the probiotics. So basically, I wasn't taking as great care of his tummy as I know how to do now. And we just didn't know what to do. So I thought, let's try skipping dairy. As soon as we eliminated dairy from his diet, he felt so much better. It really happened within a week. So I spoke to his doctor about it. She agreed it is possible sometimes that antibiotics can strip all those good bugs in your belly and your belly can get really sensitive to things like dairy. That's the most typical one. Maybe also gluten. I don't know. I'm certainly not an expert. At that point, we thought maybe that's just what it is. He just needs a little time to recover. But several months later, we tried giving him dairy again, and he was in a terrible way. And at that point, we thought, well, he might just need to be dairy free. It's true that having an aversion to dairy—I'm I'm kind of avoiding the word allergy—and I'll get to that in a second—can like kick in when you're a little bit older. Having problems with antibiotics stripping your belly can actually kick in an aversion that might kick in later down the line from something else if you are already prone to this, and so he just shifted into a dairy-free life. Okay. Fast forward a couple of years, he starts getting belly problems again. And we thought, oh, well, maybe it's the food at sleepaway camp. Maybe he just has a really sensitive belly. But at that point, we decided if he's dairy-free and he's still having these problems, even though he was better for a couple of years, why not just test? So at that point, we went to a pediatric gastroenterologist, and we did official tests for dairy. We did a test for celiac. And it turns out, guys, there was nothing wrong with him. As soon as we learned that, (laughs) he jumped right into dairy. I would say normally ease it back in, but Isaac literally left the doctor's office and was like, I want pizza. Then I want a croissant. Because he had gotten to the point where he really couldn't even eat a super buttery croissant. He wanted like pastry with cream and he ate it all in one day. His tummy did not feel good, (laughs) as you would expect. But the curious thing was, he didn't feel any worse than he had been for several weeks, including weeks when he was still on a dairy free diet. So, what we determined at that point was that dairy wasn't the issue. So then, we took another step and we did a FODMAP diet. And this is where things got interesting because I really try hard to avoid the word cure or heal. I'm not a doctor. We don't know what the problem was in the first place. There was no formal methodology in place. So I certainly don't feel comfortable making claims of being healed because maybe there wasn't, you know, an issue in the first place. All we know is that his belly was bothering him. FODMAP really helped him. Once he was on it for about four weeks, it was recommended that he stay on it for six weeks. But for reasons that I actually can't remember right now, (laughs) he actually only stayed on it for like four, four and a half weeks. He felt so much better. And literally ever since then, it has been two years. He has been fine. Now, From what I understand, I'm going to take a little detour here to talk about FODMAP. And maybe if you guys are interested, I can do a whole mini episode on that. FODMAP is a very restrictive diet. It's very difficult to explain because FODMAPs are, um, is it an enzyme, a protein? I don't even remember anymore. It's such a like, it's so in the distance. But anyway, it's something that's in certain foods. And there's really, when you look at the list, there's no rhyme or reason. Like he couldn't have garlic. He couldn't have onion. He couldn't have apples, Um, but he could have other things that I was surprised that he could have. So you know, it's not like you're eliminating an entire category of food. You really need to look at the FODMAP diet, look at the list of foods that are forbidden, eliminate those. And from what I understand, a FODMAP diet is meant to be short-term, although I guess some people with IBS and Crohn's disease do stay on it long-term. But if you don't have something chronic, you're on it for a few weeks, you see how you feel. If you're better, you go back to eating everything or whatever your diet was prior to trying the FODMAP. And then if you get another flare-up, whether it's six months down the line, two years down the line, you return to FODMAP, you do it for a few weeks, you feel better. So I have always wondered if Isaac's going to end up needing a FODMAP diet again for a couple of weeks to kind of reset his gut. But so far, so good. So, and he eats everything dairy now. But that is the story. I feel like there have been so, so many developments in the dairy free food industry, packaged food industry. So I'm super excited to publish this episode and hit our listeners group, because I know people who are dairy-free are going to have so many follow-up recommendations. I'm going to tell you what we were doing a couple of years ago um, and the brands that we liked and what helped, because going dairy-free with a kid who loves cheese is no freaking joke. It was a transition, guys, for sure. Originally, we found that we could use dairy In cooking. So I was using regular butter at first. I was definitely using butter and milk in baked goods. But then when it flared up again, we even eliminated that stuff. So I'm going to talk about it at different levels. But what's good to know here is that if you suspect dairy is bothering your child or you're going to try an elimination diet and you want to start with dairy for whatever reason you know there are kind of levels to it start slow if it's a real like jarring experience for you as a cook or your kid is really upset about it you know and instead of going whole hog now if it's been recommended or there's a serious problem going on and you just need to eliminate everything all at once don't worry there are actually tons of products out there and i'm going to kind of go through it here. Okay. So let's start with butter because butter makes everything better, you guys. I found that Miyoko's was a brand that I ended up loving. Their butter is delicious and I would actually still use it today. Uh, (laughs) I love it that much. Um, I really felt like it was a great substitute I used it um, to make Rice Krispie Treats, for example, where, you know, the butter doesn't have a pronounced flavor, but if it has an aftertaste, then you're going to taste it. So for example, when making Rice Krispie Treats, I originally used Earth Balance, and even though I really liked Earth Balance for cooking and for other baking, I did not like it in my Rice Krispie Treats, but Miyoko's worked like a dream. Since I'm mentioning Earth's Balance, I do want to say that their buttery sticks worked for baking for me. I really like them. They have a shortening version. They also had um, Cheez-It style crackers that we really liked when Isaac was missing that kind of thing. But that's pretty much where we landed on butter. Milk. Oh gosh, you guys, there could be an entire episode on milk. So, milk, cow's milk is the one thing that Isaac did not return to. He still doesn't like it. And Oatly is his current favorite. We also really loved Elmhurst milks and Califia, Califia Farms, Califia, Califia. Don't know how you say it. I'm not sure I ever said that out loud. <laughs> But we loved those two. We loved the almond and coconut milk mix. That was great for smoothies. In general, Isaac always has preferred soy milk until oat milk has come around. But definitely the refrigerator milks we like better than the shelf-stable ones that came in cartons. Now, they're also more expensive. So if you're a big baker... I really find that soy milk and almond milk work best in baked goods and the kind that come in the carton, which are also convenient because they're shelf-stable, they don't take room in your refrigerator, are really good. So I would keep one of those cartons, shelf-stable cartons on hand for baking, but then in my refrigerator, I'd have one of those other brands. But we really stuck to um, soy milk, almond milk, almond milk and coconut milk, that combo. Um, or oat milk. We never really loved rice milk. Although, little side note, you guys enjoy Life Brand. They make a rice milk chocolate. They're chocolate, like snacking chocolate and also chocolate for baking. And they also make dairy-free chocolate chips that are fantastic. The chocolate chips honestly taste just like Toll House. All right, let's get into buttermilk. Now, most people don't keep buttermilk on hand. I really don't. I know Megan really does. Shout out to Megan, even though she's not here today. So for buttermilk, you can pretty much, to make one cup of dairy-free buttermilk, you can take one cup of unsweetened soy or almond milk and add a tablespoon of distilled white vinegar or fresh lemon juice. And you'll get the same effect I wouldn't use it and never did, so I can't speak to it for like marinades or dressings or anything like that. I just kind of avoided buttermilk. But that combination works great for things like pancakes, um, cupcakes, baked goods. Okay, heavy cream. So there are so many barista blends now, you know, Isaac never really had use for heavy cream and I wasn't really using heavy cream in my cooking so much or in my baking. If I was going to use cream, I usually use buttermilk in my baking. Um, So he really never taste tested heavy cream, but I recently tried the Oatly barista blend and I really like it. I do not, Plant-based milks in my morning coffee. I'll do it for like a second coffee, but my morning coffee, you guys, that's like mm, that's like my gold. Like, don't mess with it. Cow's milk, full fat. Ah, delicious. And lately, I've been using Oatly Barista Blend. I and I really like it. So there you go. That's a little recommendation for you guys. All right, whipped cream. So. I haven't tried any of the non-dairy whipped cream, those dairy-free, but they exist now, you guys, at least at places like Whole Foods. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon, but I would just make coconut whipped cream using the cream that solidifies on top of a can of coconut milk if you leave it in the refrigerator, okay? So you just take regular coconut milk, put it in the fridge, and then you're going to follow a recipe. I use the one on Minimalist Baker which I'm going to talk more about in a second. And pretty much you just use the fat. It solidifies on top and you whip that up with some sweetener. And yes, it has a little bit of a coconutty flavor. You know, it's not like a one-to-one, but it does make a beautifully textured whipped cream. And when your kid is bummed because everyone else is eating ice cream sundaes, believe me, you're going to be happy that you have this recipe and that trick in your back pocket. Let's talk about yogurt, because yogurt was a big part of our lives. I know that there are very many more options now, but back when Isaac was dairy-free, that was, the yogurt was a tough one. He really had to acclimate to these, like, new flavors and textures. It wasn't satisfying at first, but he ended up really liking Kite Hill yogurts. I definitely used the ones that were flavored, which increased his sugar compared to when I was giving him plain cow's milk Greek style yogurt. But you know, there you have it. Like when we wanted yogurt, that was a really good option. Um, One yogurt that I actually genuinely loved and still buy from time to time, though it is expensive and it can be hard to find. In fact, I'm not sure that it's available nationwide, but Anita's coconut yogurt is cultured. It is delicious. I eat it just for the flavor that it gives me, not as like a dairy-free substitute, although it is one. It's just so creamy and rich and has the most wonderful flavor. Let's talk about cheese. And I think cheese and ice cream pretty much covers the bases, right? Okay, those shredded vegan cheeses, they were a no-go for us. But I'm so curious to hear from the people in our listeners group on this one. Going back to Miyoko's, that was another brand um, that I mentioned before in terms of butter, but that was another product rather by them that we really loved is their mozzarella. It had a nice mouthfeel. It melted beautifully. I even made some dairy-free pizzas with it. And, you know, I will say that if I had fed that to Isaac right when he started, he would have been like, what is this? But once his taste buds got acclimated to dairy-free eating and he kind of, you know, real cheese was a distant memory for him, it really worked. And I believe they also make a cream cheese spread that is really good that he also really liked because that's another thing that we use a lot is cream cheese in my house And the Tofutti cream cheeses, they just didn't cut it for us, although they're more affordable than Miyoko's. And again, for baking or if you're going to mix it into something, they work perfectly fine. They are high performance substitutes. But if you really want like flavor, if you're going to do like a bagel and you want some dairy-free cream cheese, I say Miyoko's all the way. And I believe they also make one with chives. Another thing that we use a lot is Parmesan cheese. And I was really missing that. I just kind of eliminated it at first, but I found a recipe on Minimalist Baker. And then there's also another one in another resource that I want you guys to know about called America's Test Kitchen Vegan for Everyone Cookbook. I loved this cookbook. And I believe they also had a great, Parmesan substitute. And listen, in both of these cases, the one on Minimalist Baker and the one you're going to get from Vegan for Everybody This is not about trying to make something that is just like Parmesan cheese, but it is trying to make something that replicates the texture and that wonderful umami layer of flavor that you get from Parmesan cheese, right? So we're trying to achieve similar results, not make a straight substitute. And I found both of those worked really well. And the minimalist baker one, that was just, as I remember it, cashews, raw cashews, which are your friend when you're trying to go dairy-free, and nutritional yeast. And on the note of nutritional yeast, I will say that some people just use nutritional yeast. It does have that umami flavor thing going for it. So in a pinch, grab some and you can shake it on anything. And actually, nutritional yeast on popcorn is super satisfying. And I think you maybe won't miss not having butter on that. Although Miyoko's butter on popcorn, mm, that would be good. So that was pretty much the only cheese we did. So cheese was something that Isaac really, really missed. I got to say, can't we never really found a way around that. Ice cream. Oh, ice cream. <laughs> Remember when I just said that Isaac tried dairy after a couple of weeks when he first went off of it and then he was wrecked? It was a big cone of ice cream that like really did him in guys, but we ended up loving Van Lewin dairy-free ice cream. I find that their vegan ice cream is absolutely fantastic. So hopefully you can find some by you. And if not, I did a roundup of vegan ice creams over at Cool Mom Picks back in the day, and I will find that and I will put that. In the show notes. So I think I went through all of the main dairy categories, but if not, we can definitely continue this conversation, as I said, in the listeners group. And my parting thought here. Is that, you know, dairy is this funny thing. I mean, it, it has these properties that can be really hard to replicate in other ways, especially mouthfeel and exact taste. So what you're trying to do, like I was saying with the Parmesan is just kind of get the effect of it. And when it comes to baking, get the functionality of it. You know, with baking, it really, you really can get around dairy much more easily than you might think. So that's the good news. It's really just like when you want you know cheese and crackers that's that's just tough and i have to say that you know in our house we just kind of eliminated that like cheeseburgers we just eliminated cheeseburgers and just made really delicious regular burgers with like fried onions and like a whole bunch of other toppings and got creative because it just was kind of sad to have lame dairy free stuff and also a quick note on The fact that Isaac can eat dairy again. Um, I know that's the hope for everybody who goes dairy-free, or really probably the hope mostly for parents who have to take their kids off dairy, because it is, it can be such a bummer for them, and you feel like they're missing out, and they can be really sad about it. But, you know, it really depends. If it's not a full-blown dairy allergy, I do believe from my limited experience that you can heal the gut, healing quotes, guys, and get back to it. I mean, for Isaac, it really did take a couple of years. So heavy probiotics, talk to your doctor about it. You know, they there are ones that you can get even from Amazon that have a much higher dose, but you also want to make sure that you're speaking to somebody about a Brand that's great and trusted. Um, And also, you know, since Isaac has been back on dairy, there's new research. We talked about this with Kelly Foster in our episode on probiotics. There's also evidence now that staying on one probiotic all the time doesn't do you any favors, that you really need to change it up. So speak to somebody about that. Or, you know, if you can't, or your doctor or pediatrician doesn't have a lot of information on it, There's a ton of research out there, but switch up the probiotics, make sure that in the time that they're not eating dairy, you're doing everything you can to heal their belly. For some people that might even be considering going gluten-free too, temporarily hard as that might be, heal that gut and then slowly reintroduce dairy. And if it doesn't work, don't make assumptions, go longer, look into the FODMAP diet, You know, it might take a while and try. It might require that you try several different things before you find that you can go back to dairy. But if you want to shortcut that process and test it out, You can do that too. GIs do have a test. It is a real pain in the butt. You have to stay at the office for hours while they drink a solution. And on the hour, every hour for a while, they have to blow into something. But they can really test to see if they can tolerate dairy or not. So that is also an option for you guys. So I hope my story and my recommendations are helpful. Um, I said it a million times, but this is really one that requires is really enhanced by a ton of conversation. So be sure to join us in that listeners group. If you go to our Facebook page, it's facebook.com backslash didn't I just feed you. Go to groups. You'll be prompted with a question. The answer is whiskey. And you can also find us on Instagram as didn't I just feed you. But more important than all of that please subscribe, rate, and review. You can do that right now, and it is such a help to us. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A humongous thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatzik. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys.